Yes, I'm so glad we finally made this happen. We've been talking about this a while. <laughs> it's been in the works and it's taken a little bit. So basically, we have been doing this study on your book. It's all under control. And we have learned that we have a lot of control issues. And we talk about it all the time. Uh, and, but we've also learned there's a lot of other people out there that also have a lot of control issues. So first, tell us about yourself. And then we'd like to know, like, what made you really inspired to write this book in itself? Like, what was like the straw that you were like, okay, like, I, I need to write something? Absolutely. So hi, everybody. I'm Jennifer. And I am in Iowa. If you've read the book, you know that I'm in Iowa on a farm where um, we have learned that we're not in control. <laughs> that's for <laughs> sure. When you have a farm and you plant seeds in the ground and then it's like hands off, God, you got to do your thing and make these crops grow. It's taught us so much about surrender and about understanding that God is in control of all things. My husband always says, I learn as much about God on the seat of a tractor as I do when I'm sitting in church. <laughs> and I think that's true. So anyway, Scott and I, um, we have 700 acres and we're growing corn and soybeans and about a thousand pigs. And we're also raising two human beings. And Lydia is a sophomore at Iowa State University. She's studying music and education. And then our younger daughter, Anna, is a student at Western Christian High School here in Iowa. And I am an author of several books. It's All Under Control is, it was my third book. And then I have recently released a book called Growing Slow, uh, which is really kind of the next step off of, you know, letting go of control is like, sitting back, slowing down your life and realizing that we have these beautiful lives that God has given us. And so, yeah, I, um, I'm also an acquisitions editor for a publishing company, which means that I work with authors to see their writing dreams come true. So that's very fun. But yeah, that's about it for, for me. Um, you asked what the straw was or what the turning point was and it's so interesting in that there wasn't like a singular moment. It was a growing realization that I had my hands so tightly wrapped around my life and a realization that God can't put anything into closed fists that I needed to open up those hands and be open to what God had for my life, because it was clear to me as my life has moved on that this holding on to my life so tightly, it doesn't actually really work. Like there are just things that come out of the blue at us. And um, this just, this 
tight-fistedness just makes us tense. It makes us worried. It makes us feel like we have to constantly be minding the store, that we always have to be the most responsible person in the room. And, you know, when I, the, the opening, the opening line of my book is that if you would have told me that I had control issues, I would have totally <laughs> denied it. Like, as long as everything went exactly the way I wanted it to go, I was totally flexible. I mean, even when I was writing the book itself, it was hard for me to own the word or the the label control freak. Like, who wants to admit that? And I just, I kept wrestling with it. So even since I wrote the book, I'm more likely to admit my control freak tendencies, you know, like that's my default. It's something that I have to own and understand so that I can live more open-handed. So you will hear me now saying much, you know, in the three years since that book came out, much more uh, willing to say, yeah, I'm a recovering control freak. Yeah, my default is I want everything to go exactly my own way. But when you name it and you own it, that's when the real transformation happens. As long as we continue to deny these things and say, no, I, it's fine. It's, it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Everything's good. <laughs> I got it all under control. That's when we get into the weariness, the frustration, uh, the going to bed at night thinking, man, I, I sure was busy, but I don't know if I was all that productive. Um, a sort of unsettled dissatisfaction with life. And instead, when we begin to open our day with the Lord saying, what adventure are we on together? I um, am learning every morning to not come to God with a list of my demands and saying, these are the things I'd like you to do. That's good. Instead, I'm like, God, where can I work? Where can I be where you're already at work? How do I engage with you in this particular day? And that's made a huge difference in my life. And like I said, I'm not um, I'm like I'm not the poster child of I'm doing this all correctly all the time. But because I recognize what my default is, it helps me in the everyday moments to really get my control under control. Yeah, I think what you said, I think the first step for us is admitting and not being in denial that we do have the problem. And for me, I remember reading in your book about um, the kind of like the close fist part of the aspect of basically letting that go, but also letting God know that um, you want his plans, you want his things of what you're supposed to do, and you're not looking for your kind of own to do list. But how hard is it? So Susan and I have talked um, pretty much this whole time about we both have kids, too. And I think that that has been honestly the biggest thing as our kids get older, learning how to release some of that control um, to let them make these decisions that you really want to control them from making and making these mistakes. And so that's a big part of one of the things that I know Susan and I both like to control Um how have you found yourself having two daughters yes. able to help release control over those aspects of letting your kids make mistakes, letting your kids do what they need to do to also become who they're supposed to be? Right. So I think that um, parenting 
presents us with a whole nother level of control <laughs> that I wouldn't have ever even remotely imagined. And um, now I understand why my mom did a lot of things she did trying to get me under control back in my teen years. Um, but I, it's interesting in that um, control can be sort of this awful narcissistic thing. That's a one kind of control. But the control that we're all talking about here is a control of, I love you so much. I don't want you to get hurt. I love you so much. I'm going to guide these decisions for you because I know what is what these two paths might hold for you. And it becomes a new way of saying, I love you so much that I am willing to let go and learn these things on your own, just like I had to learn them on my own. And when I looked back on my life, I could see that the lessons that became most important and formative into the person I am were out of poor decisions that I made. And I don't want my kids to make bad decisions. I don't want my kids to have pain in their lives, but I do want them to become the people that God created them to be. And he creates us through a variety of ways. And one of those is through the choices that we make, you know, like, um, for instance, like right now with Lydia, Lydia turns 20 years old tomorrow. She's no, no longer a teen tomorrow. And I have really felt a shift in my parenting because the stakes are a lot higher now with the decisions that she has to make. But I realize that I'm no longer a parent in that sense of this is what you will do, but I become more of a mentor. Mm -hmm. these are you know if you would like my advice this is this is what I'm seeing it's more of listening and praying for and mentoring and guiding and even really with our 17 year old it's moving toward that you know as she as she starts to consider what she wants to do with her life and where she wants to go to college I have a set of things that I want her to do <laughs> but how horrible if I were to push that template upon her and then kind of alter what God has as a plan for her life and beginning to see that God also speaks through Anna. Like Anna is a committed believer to Jesus. Anna um, is in the word. Anna is seeking God's guidance. God has a relationship with Anna. And now I'm still the adult in this situation. Scott is still the father in this situation, but little by little uh, we begin to loosen um, the the leash, so to speak, um, to to let her make those decisions, and it's it's not easy. Uh, there's different things where, just the other day, I'm like, Anna, if you don't if you don't leave now, you are going to be late for school because she's got a 35 minute drive. I'll be fine, Mom. I'll be fine. At 8:40, I get a text from her, Mom. I got a tardy, <laughs> and it was. It was all I could do not to say, I told you so. <laughs> she knew and she told me, but, and she has to pay the consequence for that tardy at school. I just, te I texted back. I had my fingers, my thumbs on my phone and I just put, okay, period. <laughs> you know, and what do you do? It's like, she knows it. I know it. I mean, she, she pays the consequence for getting tardies and absences and those sorts of things, but 
you know, as at a younger age, then I would have handled that a little bit differently. But, you know, they're just all these scenarios and all these different kinds of things. And they begin to blossom and trust God at work in themselves, I think, mm-hmm. when we loosen the strings, when we let them, when we stop helicoptering, helicopter parenting, or I talk about in the book, lawnmower parents, there's helicopter parents, but then there's lawnmower parents. And that's the parent who, you know, paves the way for the child like this, you know, we'll cut the grass here. This is where you should walk and this is where you should go. Uh, but that's not, you know, that's not the way. That's not the way to parent. It's not the way to be a friend. It's not the way to be a spouse. Um, but it's really, really hard. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, like Crystal said, I struggle. I have three kids. And so my oldest is 17. And with her, it's been a constant back and forth battle. I would say even more so, uh, Crystal and I have both been really challenged with our children throughout this whole study. I mean, we've had our, our fair share over the years, but since we've been doing this study, it's been even more of a challenge. So I'm like, okay, God, is this a test from you trying to see if we're actually really practicing what we're reading and learning and taking in? But I do like what you said about um, pretty much the the point of we could be interfering with God's plan and will for our kids' lives when we're trying to step in and take over certain things. Like I know, I know I have my own story, and if my mom had it a different way, I wouldn't have went the route that I did. But because I made those choices, I had to suffer certain consequences. But also I know that in those situations, God is using that and using me to help other people too. Like he is each of us. And so um, I would definitely say I was probably a helicopter parent, but I am really trying hard to release that control, especially since we've gone through this book. And I think Crystal and I have both done a pretty good job, I think. Like I kind of got to a point throughout it where I was almost to the point of, you know, God, just take it all. I don't, I don't care anymore. And it's not that I don't care, but I'm like, to that point where I know that I can't keep holding on with those closed fists, like you mentioned earlier. Um, And so I, my main thing, I think one of my favorite parts of the book is like, how do you let go of control when you feel like you're the only one that can do it, or you're the only one that can take on the task. And I know that that that's something that I struggle with a lot. Um, And so I love that you talked a lot about that throughout your book as well. But um, even in reference to your girls and everything else in life, um, when you were writing the book, did you find yourself falling back into the habits of trying to take control, which I'm sure the answer is probably yes, because we're all guilty, but how did you go about it differently um, now that things have been brought more to light with, with getting a hold on that? Right. Um, So I feel like um, as my girls had gotten older and so they were, when I wrote this book, they were one in junior high and one in early high school because you write a book long before it releases. So really my journey of, by the time I wrote the book, I was already had this in, you know, it didn't just kind of fly off my fingertips while I had this moment. It had been something that had been in the works for a long time. But I think even at that point, I could look back on the history of where things had been and and seen the advantage of getting my hands off sometimes. and I could see how I'd de- nearly driven myself crazy by my hands-on approach. Like I think back to the way I was with Lydia when she was a baby. Like I literally had charts to track every time she peed and every time she pooped and how many hours she slept. And, you know, like I wanted her on this particular schedule. 
Well, then I had Anna and I parented her exactly the same way and it didn't work. Yes. So it's like, you know, you can put all these systems in place, but it just doesn't, it just doesn't always work that way. Um, you know, Anna didn't sleep a lot. She didn't pee and poop when she was supposed to. And all of my charts went out the window. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think that, I think just looking back on life and reminding yourself and rehearsing the truths that God has shown you over time, rehearsing the ways that he has worked in your life in the past. Um, but I also want to say it doesn't mean that we become sort of a hands off parent. It doesn't mean we just throw our hands in the air and say, whatever. Like I talked about in the opening chapters of it's all under control. Like when I'm, I have a surgery coming up next week. I have a surgery for myself. And when I am in that surgery room, I want a control freak. I want somebody who cares. I want somebody who's like, we're going to get to the bottom of this. And we're, you know, we're going to make sure that we control the bleeding and do all those kinds of things. So I think that as a parent too, there are times that we need to get our hands into the situation. Yeah. Um, one story that has developed since the, the book that I wrote is um, our daughter, Anna, faced uh, a lot of health problems. This was after the book came out, a lot of health problems. She was passing out um, almost every day. Um, she was having gut problems. We did not know. I mean, it was as out of control as it gets. We didn't know if she had a brain tumor, a heart problem, what was going on. Um, but she had some virus that caused her to pass out a lot. It turns out it wasn't anything too serious. But it was, I mean, it was serious in the sense that we didn't know when she was going to pass out. Um, when she woke up, she couldn't, uh, she, uh, from these passing out, her legs were very weak. Mm. And um, there came a time when she's like, I can't walk. And so she was in a wheelchair for 11 days um, due to the way it was affecting um, her neurological systems. I mean, it you guys, it was a mess. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, uh, you know, I mean, daily, it was like, God, I have no control. There is nothing I can do, but I will do everything in my power that you show me to do. And I had to be her advocate. Like, I wasn't just hands off. It's like, let's, we're going to get to this specialist. And Anna, you need to pray over your own self. And Anna, I'm going to pray over you. And dad's going to pray over you. I mean, we were involved. And then on top of all of the health issues, Anna began to receive private messages on, um, they're like these anonymous, um, YOLO, I think is the name of one of them. Don't let your kids use these things on Snapchat, but people can leave anonymous messages for your kids. And, uh, they were sending her messages like, I wish you would pass out and never wake up. Oh God. And, um, you're faking passing out. I mean, you guys, it was brutal, the amount of bullying and intensity. People had created a fake account of about Anna and were posting horrible things about her. And um, be, with all of her health stuff, her many of her friends just abandoned her. So in that situation, the good parts of me that are the take charge parts of me, you better believe they came into full action. And I was, uh, her, her dad and I, I mean, we were, we're like, we're your advocate because there is nobody that's going to advocate your, for your kid like you are. Right. And it actually, you know, we met with the school, we talked to other parents, we did everything we could. And then we made the very difficult decision to take her out of that school and send her to another school. 
which is complicated by the fact that my husband was the school board president of the school that we took her out of. You guys, it was there were so many layers of difficulty to this thing. But um, it was it felt so out of control. But we we stepped in uh, prayerfully and did something that we thought we would never do. Anna came up with the idea to go to Western and <laughs> like, okay, God is God. How are you working in this situation here? How are you working in Anna right now? Could it be that this is the right thing for her? And um, I did not want it to happen. I did not want her to go to a different school that was miles away and that would now not be a free education, but a $10,000 a year education. I mean, the whole thing just did not make sense. And so I'm like, God, you're going to have to open every door. If you want this to happen, you are going to have to open every door. And then because it's not my will, will you're going to have to um, take my fingers off of the door jams because <laughs> you're going to have to get me out of the way. But that's exactly what he did. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, like trusting and seeking God's will in all things and saying like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. God, what does that look like? Bless it or block it. You've got to show me because if I have it my way, if I had it my way back then, three years ago, she'd still be at that school. Yeah. So God empowered her, but he also empowered us as advocates. So again, I am not saying we're just like hands off, kids do whatever you want to do. Right. But I am saying it is, in some ways it's harder work to be a surrendered parent, but we don't surrender we don't surrender effort, but we do surrender outcomes. That's good. I love that you said bless it or block it. But the whole time that we've been talking and before um, Susan even said something too, I was just thinking that, you know, God, as we're parenting our children's children, God is parenting us and mm -hmm. he looks at us and I can't even imagine how much he wants to be like, don't make that decision. Don't do that. Like slap us on the hand, you know, but he allows us to, and he still works everything out for his glory and our good. So good. And so I'm so thankful that we have a father that, you know, takes our our problems, takes the things that we may cause, takes our sinful nature. And he still says, it is good. And I will um, do good with it. I will send someone, I will, I will take it and I will um, still redeem that situation. Like he's so good to us. And um, I think that um, controlling, trying to control his plans, we just see a lot of chaos. And um, so I'm definitely learning in this as well um, of those. But I kind of wanted to share one of the chapters that like really hit home with me. And that was the wait chapter <laughs> because I am horrible at waiting. Like I am a go, go, go kind of person. And so anytime that I have to wait on God's plans and not control it, um, I have such a rough time with that. And so that waiting period is honestly, I have found out the period where I have so much growth. If I allow God to do what only he can do, um, what is what was your thing like that you had like the most struggle with? Was it the waiting? Was it the pausing and saying God or um, was it something else that you can go? Oh, my goodness. That was magnified when it came to my control, pro like control issues, my control freak um, mentality. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, pr 
probably, I mean, waiting definitely was a symptom of my hurried, rushed, control freak tendency life. Um, I think the hardest part for me was like having to say no to things Mm -hmm. and disappointing people. So waiting is definitely, you know, and especially now at post book writing, this whole thing with Anna has been an exercise in waiting for God to move. So at this point in my life, waiting is a huge, huge, huge deal. It's been a huge, huge deal. I like, I can't say huge enough. I mean, seriously, (laughs) it's been kind of wild. Um, But um, I think that at the time when I wrote the book, it was figuring out how to let some things go, like literally off of my calendar, um, you know, that whole do delegate dismiss thing. It's so now ingrained in my being that I'm able to kind of make just better decisions that involve my calendar, my to do list. So, um, you know, I've been on both sides of the coin on this control issue. I think you may remember, like in the early chapters, I talk about there's two different kinds of control. It's some of it's about like the things that we do, like the things that have to get done. But it's also the things that are happening to us, those things that make us broken, that when life feels so it's like the things that we think we have to control. And then it's the things that make life feel out of control. Like the really horrible things that suddenly we're faced with. So when I wrote the book, it was definitely more of the things I want to control, all the things I got to do, all the things that I have to be responsible for. And now I am relearning the lessons I wrote about in terms of the things that are happening to us. So, yeah, I mean, you know, at any given point, I think we can fall into these different categories. Yeah. That's good. So what would you tell for the listeners who maybe are still struggling with control? Um, I, I do feel like Crystal and I have, I mean, we're obviously not perfection, but I do feel like we've been delegating more, Do like the whole do delegate, like we've been doing a lot better with that. I, I know personally, like, I feel like I've relinquished a little bit of that control and I feel like I'm able to walk a little bit more in freedom with control. Um, so what would you tell the listeners who are struggling with control right now, or maybe they haven't even started this journey yet? Um, as far as like, how is it that you're given, I know you talked already about surrender, but you give the control back over to God daily. Um, but what's worked best for you on how to do that and making sure that you're um, taking things out of your home, your own hands and putting them back into God's hands so that he can guide and direct your life. Right. I think that um, as Christians, and so, you know, if we're Christians, that we long to be obedient to God. I mean, that's what we want. We really do. When we dig down deep into things, we want to give him the room to move according to his timetable because we know he is trustworthy. We know that he is faithful. We know that he is kind. But we also know that because we're humans, we're scared. We're scared to give him access to the parts of our lives that that are the most meaningful to us. And we're scared. Like, what if he doesn't come through? Or because God is God, he can do what he wants. He can do whatever he wants. And that's scary. And I think just reminding ourselves all the time that God's plan is so much bigger than ours, um, that he sees the whole when we see only the part. It's like our whole life is a puzzle, and but we don't have the advantage of seeing the picture on the box. And um, we're putting things together and things become evident in time. Like, oh, I see now. God sees the whole puzzle and he's given us these pieces to put down and he's putting down pieces too. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, 
I, I think about Lazarus, man, if I were, if I were at the, that tomb and Jesus was like, not showing up to save him, um, like that just, it's like, why, why are you, you, you're friends with us, Jesus. Why are you not showing up? And they questioned him when he got there and they didn't want to wait. They didn't want, they wanted to control things. They wanted him to come when they wanted him to come. But because he waited, then we get the miracle of Lazarus because he waited. People came to know Jesus that day. They're like, oh, this guy is something special. This must be the Messiah. That's so good. This must be the savior. Like without letting that happen with Lazarus, we wouldn't get the miracle. And then all of those people wouldn't have come to know Jesus. So we, you know, I I am convinced that some things won't make sense until we're in heaven, Mm -hmm. but I'm also convinced that all things will make sense when we're in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that because of the fact that we're, God is still in the business of performing miracles today. Yeah. And when we think about it, um, we are not exempt from those miracles being performed for us. But in that waiting period, as you said, is where God is able to work and do what he needs to do for that miracle to be performed, whether or not we see it here or we see it in heaven. Um, And that's just a beautiful thing. And um, I'm just so thankful that you shared your heart through this book through um, writing all your own personal things. I think anytime that you can relate to somebody, it just makes it that much uh, more personal to you to be able to look through those words and be like, wow, that's so relatable. And I can um, totally agree in that situation of how I may feel as well. And so thank you so much for sharing your heart with the world, honestly, but also for us being able to... um, walk this through with so many other women. And there's been women that have already talked to us and said, you know what? I decided I wasn't going to order the book or I wasn't going to, but I've been listening to you guys. And I'm like, I do have control issues. And now I need to order this book and do this study. (laughs) So it has really been so good for us. And I, um, I can't wait to go back through some of these highlighted parts and read back through some of these things that I've said, just to remind myself and be a refresher, especially when I'm going, Going through some times with my own children or my job or just circumstances in general with ministry and go, all right, Lord, I'm going to wait. I'm going to trust. I'm going to believe. And I know that you want good for me. And uh, so anyways, thank you so much. Yes. Oh, it's my pleasure. I feel like I'm able to identify it a little bit better now than I was before. So thank you for bringing light with this book to us um, and all the readers. So that way we can, you know, pick those things out and really realize, okay, there is an issue here. We may know it before and it may be in the back of our mind. But when we read these things, I really feel like it's like, okay, it's way deeper than what we thought. So thank you for that. Yes. Mm, It's my pleasure. And thanks for trusting the message and allowing me to serve you in this way and uh, sharing it's all under control with the ladies in your group and that listen to your podcast. I'm so humbled by it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And share with them again what that new book is, because I am literally going to go on Amazon and order that today. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So it's it's called Growing Slow, Lessons on Unhurrying Your Heart from an Accidental Farm Girl. And um, it goes through the seasons. And if you're, you know, 
it's it's so interesting because by the time I wrote this book, you guys, I was I had my to do list under control, right? But I still had like this hurried heart. And so it's all about that feeling of hurry that you have and like how to slow life down, even when you think you can't. Like I have got some super great hacks for you to slow your life down, even if you think that's not possible. And then I also have the Growing Slow Bible Study. Love it. That's available. And it's a six week study, just like it's all under control. And I am so stoked about this message. It, it's been fun. So it's on audiobook. It's um, on Kindle and and then hardcover and all that. So, yeah. Great. Well, th- I, I'm really excited about going and running and getting that because, honestly, I feel like that's where we are, too. So yeah. <laughs> I need to uh, – I'm going to need to read that one next. But thank you again so, so much. We appreciate you spending this time with us. We know that it's hard to, you know, figure out schedules and stuff like that. But we're so grateful for you. And um, we hope to talk to you again soon. Yes. That'd be great. Yeah. If you do, if you do growing slow, let me know. Maybe we can do this again. (laughs) That would be perfect. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. We will talk to you guys next season because this is our last episode of the season. So make sure you go and like the Instagram. Instagram page and on our Facebook group so that you can keep connected because we will be posting in this off season. So we appreciate you guys. We love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening. Yes. And check Jennifer Dukesley out on social media as well. And we will talk to you guys next season. All right. Bye.